Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now November 12th, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Okay, what is one thing that I say, uh, a phrase that I say, or a thing that I express constantly on this show? Uh, I say, I talk about uh, baseballreference.com, and I declared it the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, and I mean that. I, if people were just using my browser history as a way to gauge what the biggest and most successful websites are in the world, it would easily be BaseballReference.com. I'm always there. I'm always referring to it. It is the source of virtually everything I say on this podcast, including the beginning when I mention my name and where I am. I always check BaseballReference.com to, like, wait, am I really Paul Francis Sullivan? Let me just, hold on, let me go to there. Yeah, that's me. And uh, is there a nickname? Yeah, there's a nickname gallery. What is it? Uh, Sully, I'll use that one. And where am I right now? Baseballreference.com keeps track of where I am at all times. Sully's in Palo Alto. Sully's in Pasadena. Sully's in London. Man, all the places I've been this year, between London and Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut and Washington State and Idaho, been to a lot of places this year. Been to a hell of a lot of places. Anyway, um, the other day, I was looking stuff up, and I had scraps of paper, and I was analyzing and tippity-typing and tippity-typing, and I was trying to figure out who were the members of the 5,000 Times on Base Club. And I, I think I was, man, I am so clever. Your pal Sully is so clever. I've thought of this. My own brain is thinking about this as a way to gauge. Maybe this is a way to really gauge who one of the great offensive players of all time is. Oh, holy Toledo, was your pal Sully a smart dude? And I was, you know, okay, if I add this and do this and carry the one and all this crap, I did a whole podcast about it that I posted on Friday, posted on midnight on Friday, hit publish, went to bed with a big old smirk on my face, saying, ah, look at that. Can't get it past old Sully. And what, like almost immediately, I get a tweet from a one of my most loyal followers whose name I cannot pronounce. I can barely pronounce his Twitter handle, which is Swampudlian. And he said, certainly I won't be the first to point out to Sully Baseball that Baseball Reference has a times on base leaderboard. First of all, you were the first to point that out. Thank you. Secondly, I thought, oh, wow, that was a, that could have been a lot easier. That could have saved some time in your pal Sully's life. Gee, so I looked at the times on base leaderboard, and it turns out all the people that I thought, well, who would be on, who sh- people should be thinking about on that list, I had already thought of. 
in terms of getting on base 5,000 times in your career, a grand total of seven people have done it. Just seven. And that does not include Babe Ruth. He came up, as I, these are the numbers that I calculated, he came up just shot, just about uh, 22 shy. Willie Mays came up about uh, 220 shy. So here are the seven. Oh, and by the way, Tris Speaker. Tris Speaker got on base 4,998 times. One more hit, one more walk, or if two dudes just hit him. Two times he jumped out of the way of a pitch. If they hit him, he'd be on the list. There'd be eight. There are a grand total of seven. Let's move up from seven. Number seven, Hank Aaron. And number six, Stan Musial. And number five, Carl Yastrzemski. And number four, Ricky Henderson. Number three, Ty Cobb. Number two, Barry Bonds. And number one, and it's not even close, Pete Rose. So there you go. I was on to something, and BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, was on it before me. So that's the 5,000 Club. And maybe I should take a look at, you know, the, the let me get back down there. Let me scroll down. Oh, I already hit the wrong thing. Jeez, Sully, hell's the matter with you? In the 4,000 Club, how many are in the 4,000 Club? There are 46 in the 4,000 Club. You know, that's a pretty exclusive club when you think about it. If we're taking this all the way back to the 1880s, the, the, the Garfield administration, that's pretty elite company. And that's that will include, you know, 46. Is, I won't go through all the names here. Good Lord. I would not go through all the names. But that, you know, if you're going back, there's the 46 is Ramirez, Manny Ramirez. And you get your Eddie Murrays and your Willie Mazes and your Cap Ansons and your Wade Boggs and your Al Kalines. Your Gary Sheffields in the, in the world there. And Chipper Jones and Griffey Jr. and all of them. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe 3,000 hits is a certain benchmark. Now, how many 3,000 hit members are there right now? There was a time I probably could have named most of them. But you know what? I've had to learn skills. And sadly, the skill of being a, uh, a, a baseball fan willing to do a podcast 365 days a year doesn't pay what it used to pay, which is nothing. Um, how many 3,000 hit members are there? Well, Clemente, okay, there are 33,000 hit members. And there are, and then you add an additional 16, so there's 46, 4,000 times on base club members. Still pretty exclusive company. If I said, how many Hall of Famers are there? And I said 46, you know, they're, they're more than 46. Um, and of course, Pujols is the uh, assuming that Rodriguez does not come back to play. Pujols is the current leader with 4,139. So if that's one to really keep an eye on. If Pujols, whose contract goes through the heat death of the universe with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, if he can find a way to get on base 900 more times, then he will join the likes of Rose, Bonds, Cobbs, Henderson, Yastrzemski, Musial, and Aaron. And man, Tris Speaker, come on. You know what? Here's something about Tris Speaker. 
he got on base two more times. We don't have a lot. There's You go through the archives, there's not a lot of film on Tris Speaker. And if there is, it's from a camera, which is at like 900 yards away, cranking it. Okay? We don't know how bad some of the umpiring was. Stop and think about that. We have replay. We can examine when a call is blown. We can examine someone's strike zone. We can examine when Todd Tishner or Country Joe West is being the umpire of a game. We could do that now. How do we know there wasn't like a horrifically blown call in this World Series or that that would have changed the course of history? We don't. But anyway, I want to just point out that, yeah, uh, it already existed. The BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website of the history of planet Earth, is so great, it even anticipates where my brain is going. Okay, the, the, the hot stove league is, is in full effect, and I really hope that when I'm done recording this, a giant blockbuster trade that sends Mike Trout to the Mets doesn't happen, and I'm suddenly not talking about that. But uh, I'm going to talk about two things right now. First of all, the Braves are having a very strange beginning to their offseason. They signed um, R.A. Dickey, who, is, uh, who looks at dirt and calls it young man. He's, a, he's old, is what I'm saying, and, um, uh, and, and kind of past his prime at this point. And they also signed Bartolo Colon. Now, and this is all going to their new ballpark because God knows Turner Field was a whopping, what, 21 years old, and we can't have something like that in our league. Um, the Braves stunk last year. Uh, they, were, they finished dead last, and the only teams worse than the Braves in all of baseball were the Padres, the... No, the Reds have the same record. So it would be the Padres were and the Twins. Padres, Twins, and Rays were the only teams worse than the Braves last year. And, you know, they're in full rebuilding mode. Now, there is hope for the Braves. They've made some the, – the, the Shelby Miller trade yielded quite a bounty. They have young talent on that team. They're not about to be ready to win anytime soon. But they're building up a young team. And maybe, just maybe, their thought process is, hey, we've got a bunch of young kids on the team. Let's get a couple of veterans on the team and, you know, just sort of, I don't know, be their mentors. I mean, I, I, I don't know how valuable that really is. It very well could be. I don't know. No, no one in the world seems to have a bad word to say about R.A. Dickey. No one in the world seems to have a bad word to say about Bartolo Colon, except, I don't know, his tailor and the secret family he has. But a, a little detail about that sort of sprang to mind, which is R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young Award. Now, he won the Cy Young Award uh, the first year I was doing the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast, which was 2012. Now, you could make the argument it probably could have gone to Clayton Kershaw, but it went to the feel-good story of R.A. Dickey. Bartolo Colon won the Cy Young Award in 2005. Now, I have gone on here and said that's one of the worst Cy Young decisions of all time. Not that he had a bad year by any stretch of the imagination, but 
it was like the, that was the last gasp of the wind total. The clearly, if it, that was a year that if you were going to vote for a relief pitcher, you voted for Mariano Rivera. If you were going to vote for a pitcher, it should have been Johan Santana. They gave it to Bartolo Colon because the Angels won the division and he had the most wins, and that's the only reason why. But the Braves signed both of them, and I thought, isn't it? That's strange. They brought in two former Cy Young Award winners. And I thought, why stop there? Tim Lincecum, two-time Cy Young Award winner, is a free agent. And I believe Jake Peavy is as well. And if he's not, and he's still signed with the Giants, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, ah, it's going to be too hard to pry him away. So why not bring them in too? And that way you can turn to your fans and, hey, look at that. We've brought in four Cy Young Award winners. Four Cy Young Award winners. We're plugging into the team. I mean, that makes just as much sense. I mean, if you're going to use the whole, hey, uh, we're, we want them for their, their veteran leadership or anything, well, why not get four people who have walked the walk as elite players? Now, I've recorded a podcast, an Evergreen podcast, which I'm going to be dumping probably either Monday or Tuesday, about the Chicago White Sox and what I think they should be doing this offseason. I think this is an unusual offseason for the American League Central, as the which has been the team that has represented the American League in the World Series for four of the last five years. And I believe the White Sox, there's this, basically what I'm talking about in that podcast is about should they go for it or not? You have the Royals who have won two of the last three pennants in a World Series with a lot of talent on their team, but they're kind of at a crossroad. You have the defending American League champions, almost the defending world champion Cleveland Indians, and that will they're a team that I think will probably still be a major contender, but of course they don't have the deepest pockets in the world. And then you have the Detroit Tigers, and there's already certain rumblings that maybe they're going to be in rebuild mode. And I'd be kind of sad in a way because this is a team that went from a one of the most disastrous, terrible teams in the history of baseball were the Tigers in the early 2000s. They lost 119 games one year. And that with the arrival of some of the draft picks and some of the rebuilding and the arrival of Jim Leyland, they went from being an absolute laughing stock in an empty stadium to really one of the best teams and one of the best stories in baseball. But the one thing they couldn't do was win at all. And it is, I always feel a little badly when a team has a fabulous run, but they don't have that pinnacle. They don't have that moment of this was when we finally triumphed at the end. They won the pennant in 06, they won the pennant in 2012, and combined for one World Series game win. Now, granted, if you looked at a Detroit Tiger fan in 2003, when the question was, are they going to top the Mets of 1962 for the worst win-loss record in the history of modern baseball? Uh, and then you say, okay... Uh, in a few years, we're going to be saying, oh, I wish they won the World Series. I wish this team won it all. I think you'd probably take that. But over this decade of 
you know, very good baseball and many division titles. They won the division title and what? Uh, they were the wild card in 2006 and won the pennant. They made the playoffs as a division winner in, what was it, 2011, 2012, 2013. Remember, they're division winners in 2014 as well. They didn't win the pennant. The Royals with the wild card team wound up winning the pennant. And they had multiple MVPs and Cy Young Award winners. It was a memorable time. They had some great, I mean, one of the great highlights in the history of the Detroit Tigers is the Maglio Ordonez homer that won the pennant over Oakland in 2006. It's a fabulous run for Detroit, but it might be over. Because they may see, look it, if we're going to retool, we should probably make the moves now. Now, I, for one, and I talked about this yesterday, I, I have a thing about players playing 10 years with a team. I kind of think that that's, you get 10 years with a team, you really identify with that team, you really identify with that player. You can't ask for more than that from a player in this day and age. Miguel Cabrera's played nine years with the Tigers. Have him play one more, at least play one more game so he can say he yeah, played at least part of 10 years with the Tigers. I just, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. And if you're going to wind up trading him, and, and there are reasons to want to trade Miguel Cabrera. He's 33 years old. And we're in a day and age, and I'll say it, where sluggers don't get better when they get deeper into their 30s. And he is signed until, holy cats, 2025. Okay, there are vesting options and everything like that, So, but guaranteed through 2023. And if you can get someone to take that off your hands, you, know, you probably should do that. But there's one player who we're talking about moving Cy Young Award winners, with before with Lincecum and, and Peavy should join Dickey and Cologne in Atlanta. There is one player that the who has played his has played his ten years. In fact, he's played eleven full seasons with the Detroit Tigers, who they have to trade. They have to have to have to have to have to trade if they want to have any rebuilding, and that's Verlander. And the reason why they have to trade him now, and I mean now. I mean, by Thanksgiving, is because of the idea of, well, of two things, really. Of selling high and understanding the market. Rich Hill, wonderful season he had this year, is the best free agent pitcher out there. Nothing against Rich Hill, but you're not going to build your staff around him. He's not an ace. People aren't, this is one of the things that's happening in baseball economics these days, in baseball, the baseball world, is that they are locking their players up to long-term deals. Now, what that could mean, is what I just said about uh, Cabrera, is that you may have a super long-term deal that will probably come back to haunt the team in one way, shape, or the other. Cabrera is still having MVP caliber seasons, uh, eventually he'll conk out and they'll, they'll wind up paying for that later on. But they're saying, look, it, we're, we might as well sign our players long term. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing fewer and fewer franchise players available via free agency because teams have gotten wind of it. Well, hell, if we're going to have all this money and all this cash, might as well do it. But Verlander, 
is he's signed through, I'm going back to baseballreference.com again, uh, he's guaranteed through 2019. And after a couple of seasons where it looked like his value was dipping because he did not have a good season in 2015. You know, he was injured. He only pitched 20 games. You know, his 2014 was subpar, certainly by his standards. You know, he won 15 games. How bad could he be? Well, his ERA spiked to 4.5. He led the league in earned runs. Yes, he pitched a bunch of innings, but he definitely, you looked at him. If we went back in time, let's be Superman, spin the globe backwards. And you take a look at like, oh man, when he was the, which was the year he won the Cy Young and the MVP? Okay, so you got 2011 was his peak. 2012 could very easily have won the Cy Young Award again. 2013, well, you know, still a good year, but not the Cy Young caliber year. 2014, oh man, yeah, he's winning games, but he's winning because of that offense around him. 2015, man, he's 32, signed long term. He only, you know, only pitched 20 games. That cycle that I just was saying, you notice a pattern there. Oh, man. Oh, wow. How long has he signed for? Yikes. Then last year, made adjustments. Uh, you know, kissed, his, kissed Kate Upton, which would, you know, get everyone happy in that sort of relationship. And had a season where he is a Cy Young finalist and led the league in strikeouts pitched to a solid ERA over two, uh, 227 and two-thirds innings in a market where there is no ace and someone could be in control of Verlander for three years not a massive seven-year contract but three years for a crap load of money this is peak value time and there are several franchises out there who are grabbing hair, pulling out of head. The Dodgers, the Nationals, I'll say it, the Pirates, if they decide that they want to go for it, the Seattle Mariners, the Red Sox may need another big starting pitcher in their rotation if they think, well, maybe the route is to go price uh, Porcello and Verlander. Hell, isn't that the 2014 starting rotation for the Tigers? Think about the teams that are out there that are in a mode of, if we don't win this year, what the hell are we going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Metropolitans, who 12 months ago were like, hey, we've got so many starting pitchers, we don't know what we're going to do. You don't know what you're going to do because everyone got hurt except for Syndergaard. So think if, I mean, the Dodgers are the main team, of course, to look at and go like, hey, guys, how you doing? You uh, looking around, you still haven't won that pennant, huh? Still have piled up all those big, huge contracts and spent all that money and still the last time the World Series ever came to Chavez Ravine, Kirk Gibson was limping around the field. Reagan was in office. Trump had his real hair. And that was the last time you saw a World Series, despite spending so much money. It was, it, it, it was like the 
the pile of money that the Joker set on fire in the dark night. Wouldn't you like to have a pennant? Wouldn't it be cool to have Kershaw and Verlander side by side in your rotation? I think it's what they have to do. He's at absolute peak value right now in a market where, man, we need a difference-making starting pitcher. Oh, poopies. There's none. Oh, you may unearth a diamond in the rough. Hell, Rich Hill could come back to the Dodger, go to someone else, and have a fabulous year. But the likes of there being that big-ass ace in the middle of it all, that's not happening right now. And the Tigers... Look it, they had a wonderful run. But if you take a look around, if you hang on to your veterans too long, then that's what happened with the Phillies. Now, granted, the Phillies won a World Series, that they were able to look at that run and say, well, at least we won it all once. I'm sorry, Tigers, it may not happen. And there's been, in the last few years, they've pushed their chips to the center of the table, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. They've now gone two straight years without making the postseason, and everyone's getting a little older. And if you want to take a look at it, if we're not going to win it, do we really want to have Justin Verlander breaking down on our watch? Because here's the deal. If Verlander makes it to the Hall of Fame, and he has a chance, he certainly has a chance. He has a, a, a career where he has been an elite pitcher for, for quite a while. The similarities for him right now, if you go to baseworeference.com, singularist from the history of planet Earth, has him on the line of some of those players who had great careers, but not quite the Hall of Fame. Like Saberhagen, like Jimmy Key, like David Cohn, like Ron Guidry. But maybe a couple more really good years and another trip to the World Series would be enough to put voters over the top. And if he does, he will go in with the Detroit Tigers hat on his plaque. But if he could bring back a haul, a desperate team needing an ace or needing that caliber of pitcher, you never have a better time than now. Or you could just see if the Braves are willing to trade you R.A. Dickey and Bartolo Colon. So, my thoughts of the day on this Saturday. I hope you got to sleep in. I hope you're having a good day. And look, it, it's been a weird week for everybody. It's been a strange week. What, no matter where you lean, no matter what you feel, no matter whether this has been a time to celebrate or time to despair, it's been a strange, I think we can all agree, this week unfolded in a very weird way. So if you need a break from all of that, and you're wondering, oh, I'm tired of hearing this, I'm tired of hearing that, subscribe to me. Leave me a nice review on iTunes. That helps get people to hear about us and know about us. And know that your pal Sully is going to be here putting on a show every single day. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 12th day of November 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey, you can call me Sully. <laughs>